0: Afternoon Michael, thanks very much for giving your time to the Social Education Association and it's, uh, we're really keen to hear from you and, and take account of uh, your, your views about uh, Scottish education and uh, the Labour Party's engagement with that, so thank you very much for your time.
1: David, it's an absolute pleasure and I'd like to say thank you to you and all the members who have engaged in the manifesto process over the last couple of years. Um, our um, manifesto isn't decided by me, far from it, you know, or by um, the elected members. It's about, it's a membership and it's a consultation process and it's hopefully I think you would see your values and your ideas reflected in that document um, and we really value the, the engagement of uh, the Socialist Education Association uh, over the years.
0: Well, maybe we'll come into that uh, later on, uh, but first of all just a bit about yourself and your key experiences Regarding learning and education over the years, and perhaps highlighting something that's uh, engaged with you most positively or in a negative sense, what would what would you put as your key experiences?
1: Wow, um, I suppose I mean I've, I've been a beneficiary of a, a great Scottish education, uh, David. I would I believe um, you know over the years I um, went to um, a state primary and secondary school in Dundee, um, St John's High Schools, and uh, I was the uh, the son of two teachers, um, both uh, EIS members, uh, um, latterly head teachers, both of them—one for a period, but one for most of his career. My father, at one time, was the youngest uh, head teacher in the, the country. Um, but they, as we were, grew up in a uh, household where education kind of meant everything, really. Um, my the story I sometimes tell, but is my my grandmother um, who was also a teacher. She. Was the one person in her family to be educated in terms of to go to actually stay on at school and go to college, and all her brothers and sisters—I think there were seven of them—all had to stay working in the mills to chip in the money to send her to college, um, and uh, and that completely changed the course of our lives you know, the generations that have come afterwards. And, um, you know, we, we have been the beneficiaries of that. Um, so I, I think a Scottish education, a great Scottish education can change lives, change families and change communities. I think if we're being honest, that it doesn't happen nearly enough these days. You know, the, the kind of the, what you would call, some people would call social mobility, I would call it a right to um, opportunity uh, in life and uh, to, to make a good life yourself we don't change the path enough. That's not to say folk don't get a good education. So many people do. Um, but actually, the transformative power, I think, of, of that education um, isn't what it could be so we need to do much more in that regard so after, after school I, I attended Glasgow University and then I went on uh, late years later I did my uh, master's in economics at the London School of Economics so um, uh, but I've taught at uh, universities in Glasgow and Dundee for uh, a, a good part of my career um, so yeah education's been a big part of what I've done. So ec- economics, um, what, what field
0: within economics are you engaged you engage with?
1: specifically development economics. Um, so, mostly about um, a lot of work, sub-Saharan African kind of uh, issues, global political economy, um, but um, economic theory um, and economic history, so, um, yeah, a, a kind of a pretty kind of wide bag, but um, my, my, my wife, there was one of these kind of uh, surveys in the paper a couple of years ago that's saying that uh, people with a master's in economics from the LSE were the highest earning people in Britain, and my wife said, what happened to you? Um, so it, there was people obviously in my class that were heading off into the, the financial sector and uh, banking, and um, but none of that was really of any interest to me. So I went after that and worked for Oxfam for a few years as head of policy there and um, did some work in um, various countries.
0: So. And in terms of the economics and, and engaging with that, in terms of economics within education, has that ever featured? You know, some people would say that, the economic influence with education is missing. That it's that a view about an economic approach to it doesn't really feature as much as it should.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's been I've been very admiring. I think of post financial crash in two thousand eight, kind of a big movement of students and some academics involved in that as well to try and change the way that economics is taught in universities because so much of it's a you know kind of the the old kind of uh, view of um, the capitalist system and everything about how you prop it up, rather than actually talking about the reality of the economic situation that people face. Um, I think we could do better to learn a lot more in our schools and our universities, frankly, about the politics of our economy, how it's structured, what, how, who it serves, and how you change it. Um, and, and that's always been my, one of my key interests in politics, frankly.
0: I think that dimension of globalisation it, it, yeah. it, you know, since the, since the crash, but in, in just the technology, even during the pandemic, the idea that we're part of a global economy is now, I think, taken for granted by many young people, and the idea of changing it is yeah. something that. Uh,
1: well, I think global, globalisation, there's, there's two parts to that, David. I've always seen it as um, there's, the re, there's the physical reality of globalisation, you know, in terms of countries becoming closer together, you know, transport, you know, the, the world is a smaller place, you know, it's easier to get places, you know, it's a lot quicker. Communications meant that things move around the world so much more uh, more quickly than before. We are more in, much more interconnected, and, and that's an amazing thing. But then there's the globalisation project, that kind of went with that, um, and uh, and essentially for, for so many people, um, they have been the, the, the political end of that, you know, the kind of the loss of jobs and in, in the west into the lowest paid economies, the exploitation of people in the developing world, um, has been the um, unnecessary. We're told it was a consequence, but frankly, it's a construct, I believe, you know, as you know, these were um, um, it, another process of exploitation and kind of modern colonialism um so it, to put it in kind of highfalutin terms but you know i think it's um we don't have to accept the reality of some of those uh, those uh those constructs and those what, what were kind of a political projects in essence um and you know maybe at the moment uh, i think we're seeing the reality of some of that there's the unpicking and i do think frankly nationalism around the world is is a kickback a reaction against some of the extremes of globalisation. And we see that close to home.
0: Yeah. Um, you spoke about, um, I suppose, the limits of, of Scottish education at present, that uh, it's not transformative enough in, in people's lives. So w- w- what needs to change there?
1: Well, I mean, I suppose the immediate thing, I mean, I'm sitting at the, the kitchen table where I taught the two kids for the last year, or did a pretty half hearted or well not half hearted I put my whole heart into it at times probably too much frankly and they were probably sickened by the whole affair I know they were um, so the, the immediate challenge of that David is, is reacting to the situation that we see in front of us in terms of the impact of the pandemic and and you know we know the scale of that I think we're maybe just beginning to scrape the top of the scale of that challenge. Um, but it's profound, you know, this is that uh, the loss of education in the last year has been, you know, greater than anything we've seen since the introduction of universal education in this country, in which, you know, we led the world. Um, so the, the amount of time and experiences that have been lost to our young people are huge. Um, you know, if, and we also know that the least privilege of our children, Um, The kids that were most digitally more uh, kind of disconnected, those who lived in households that, you know, weren't setting it as the highest priority for maybe good reason, um, are the kids who have lost out the most. Inevitably, because they always are. Um, So, you know, the scale of the challenge at the moment is to try and reclaim that. Um, that, that not just, and I don't think it's a case of just, you know, how can we get those hours back into those kids of, of education? You know, it has to be thinking more holistically about their well-being, but also making sure they've got hope coming out of this. Because on the other side of this, they're coming out of school, the kids in the senior phase, into a place here's been a fifty percent increase in youth unemployment in recent months, um, and that situation's only going to get worse when furlough comes off. Um, you know, the economic crisis is only just beginning. So um, we have to instill and engender and support a sense of hope in young people that actually, and the education has to be a big part of that. Um, And I I don't think just tinkering uh, with the current situation is going to cut the mustard. You know, we have to have a national mission to actually deal with this situation.
0: Yeah, I mean we're strong about that idea about a renewal, and if you go back to previous crises like uh, the the response uh, from the Labour government in, in 1945 about tackling uh, major themes. I think there's, there's something in that in terms of education just now, in terms of renewing Scottish education. Um, we're in the midst of an election, um, I was interested to get your views about how that's worked out and um, what have been the notable act- act- activities within that area for yourself. <laughs>
1: Um uh, so it's been an odd election campaign it's fair to say um you know it, i have n- not knocked on many doors it's fair to say you know uh it's been been prevented but i've also spent an awful lot of time doing uh online hustings so um, an awful lot of those frankly more hustings than normal and you know that's probably here to stay in some respects. so it's a great opportunity to speak to people and to to listen actually to experts about different questions in different areas but um, a lot of those on education so quite a bit of that.
0: What was the biggest in terms of numbers?
1: So in terms of the biggest one that I did, probably the main EIS um, one, so uh, primary and secondary school teachers, um, you know, there was hundreds of uh, folk on that, Um, you know, um, I I didn't get the the full number, but I think I've done four EIS hustings in the last uh, last, uh, 10 days, um, but various other ones as well, um, so regional ones on the economy and other issues, um, local ones on very you know, particular um, issues. So it's, uh, it's, it's, so it's been a different thing. In terms of the dynamic of the overall campaign, um, my feeling is that Labour's message in this around focusing on the national recovery um, is, you know, people agree with it. You know, people agree that actually the next few years we've got an incredibly big job to do as a country to deal with the consequences of what has happened. Uh, Over the last uh, fourteen to fifteen months, and uh, that you know the the kind of the other side of that is that you know it could be a referendum, and of course that's on the table or on the ballot paper on uh, next Thursday, another referendum for independence, and um, Nicholas Sturgeon talking about um, you know having that within two years. I don't, I don't don't, agree that we should be doing that. I think we should be focusing on the issues we've started talking about in terms of education, the economic recovery, um, about our health recovery, you know, the number of people who are not being seen who have cancer, uh, who don't even know they have cancer yet, haven't had diagnosis. Um, we can project what those figures are going to be, um, and more, many more lives are going to be lost as a result of that. Um, so you know, these are issues that we, should, we have to tackle in the short term, um, immediately. Um, so that, that's, I think that has been the dynamic of the election and more and more people are, are I think, coming to that view. Um, the other part of it, David, I think, is that, um, you know, the SNP published a document about their first 100 days uh, just this week. You know, the SNP on the day after the election will have been in power for 5,118 days, oh. you know, uh, not, not the start of 100 days. This is the, just the start of their 15th year. You know, this is a, an extraordinary amount of time, and it's a huge political achievement. But actually, when you get into the meat and bones of it and whether hosting meetings and so on, what are their actual achievements for Scotland? You know, very, very limited. And that record, I think, is something the SNP have not been keen to talk about.
0: Yeah, and we can see that in education, uh, comparing the, the, f- the first 10 years of the Parliament to the, the, the last 10 years, um, and an idea of of change whereas now we're into a, a period of stagnation really in terms of education yeah. Um, yeah. just in terms of the party's manifesto i mean as you were kind enough to mention at the start we've we've been positive and engaging with it and we recognize it's been part of a, a democratic policy making initiative that's, that's worked together with the recovery plan comes across as a very strong document is there any particular aspects you would want to highlight within it
1: i mean i suppose the kind of the piece that sits at the front of that david in terms of the comeback plan for education um i think is um, absolutely critical in in the short run um you know and we are talking about three to six months this is about an emergency reaction to an emergency situation Um, and what we've said in that is that you should have each individual pupil should have a personal comeback plan to actually assess where they are in their learning, what they've lost, what they need. And then there should be the resources in terms of small or individual group tutoring to actually help them. Now we've seen some headlines actually in the, the programme that's been put in place down south, which is you know so far only addressed 1% of pupils. And that's why we think actually we do need these, this very individual look at the circumstances of young people to help them Personal combat plan. So that's been a big part of it. I'd also highlight, kind of more broadly, in terms of the, the themes, additional support uh, needs. Kids, um, you know, the w- Labour Party remains absolutely committed to the mainstreaming of uh, of young people into our schools, but it has to be supported. Um, and actually, the young people in our schools who now who are not getting anything like the support they require for the needs that they have, because the resources just being cut massively so actually mainstreaming has become a cost-saving exercise in many places you know you' stripping out the kind of out, out additional schools or additional support kids in classrooms and actually you know you're ending up in many situations with disruption in classrooms and actually then more children losing their education because of that because those kids themselves aren't being supported that's something I'm really passionate about something as a counselor I've worked with a lot of constituents on talked uh, with with a lot of teachers about and I've known teachers who have left the profession because they actually feel that that they're not making the difference that they wanted to make you know after many years in the classroom that their situation had changed dramatically professionally so that's part of it the last two things I would say is um, I think a really good focus in the manifesto on outdoors um, outdoor education and play-based learning for the youngest of kids I think that those two um, you know one of the Few good things to come out of the, the pandemic, I suppose, is that more people, I think, have become a little bit more uh, open to the outdoors, you know, spending more time out and about because it was all they were able to do, frankly, walking in the woods or in the parks nearby. And mm-hmm. I think we need to capture some of that. But the last thing is about resourcing. Um, and we know that actually, right across the country, the uh, level of resource in our schools is just um, is nowhere near enough. And I think actually that's recognised. There's a broad unanimity, I think, now across schools, across parties about the need to get more teachers back in front of classrooms. We had this slightly bizarre situation, if I can tell you this, David, with um, John Swinney on a hustings, where he was saying, oh, since I became education secretary, there are X hundred extra teachers in classrooms across the country. Um, Now, we are still, I believe, about 1,700 teachers down from when the SNP took over. So I I said to John Spinney, well, well well done, John. I think what you're saying is your predecessors as education secretary had their, SNP education secretary had their budgets cut. I wonder who did that? You were the finance secretary, you know? So this is actually, this is my point in this, is that the SNP have to take account for their whole 14 years of their record. They can't just take the last, couple of years and say things have gotten a little bit better in terms of resource. Across that period, the resourcing of education in this country has suffered greatly, without any doubt.
0: Sure. Um, I just wanted to uh, complete the discussion with uh, something that uh, adds a bit to Scottish education and an view that is uh, underdeveloped as a theme. And that would be the and I don't know; it doesn't feature strong in the manifesto. I'd have to say. I wonder if it's picked up in any hustings. Uh, the positive contribution of football within Scottish education. Uh, do you do you feel that could be further developed?
1: I wish I'd got a better football education when I was a kid. I wouldn't be quite as hackneyed a player as I, as I probably am now, David. I don't think that was much to do with education. To tell the truth, but listen, I I think there's. Uh, it's a really good point. I've seen some brilliant projects in terms of, uh, we've we had a, a great project in Dundee that's run for many years now called uh, Kick It Kick Off, um, which is um, for kids who are struggling in the classroom um, and using football as actually a, a focus point, bringing them into, with whether it be professional footballers or kind of coaches and mixing up different lessons with physical exercise and f- football games and trying to uh, work with them in those ways. Um, and that, I think, has been a great project that's um, had its resource cut in recent years, um, perhaps unsurprisingly, given where these things have, uh, have headed to. Um, but there's also, I think, there's, there's it's a good way of talking about, I think, the broader issue we of education.
0: We'd have to mark that that was Dundee that did that and yeah. not United.
1: Yes, that's true. That's true. That was, was at that Dens. There's some things that are... Slightly unfortunate for, for, you know, for kids, you know, they're maybe uh, a slightly better Saturday experience over the road. It's fair to say. Uh, But uh, yeah, and there's, and we've got, we're we're lucky in that respect in the city. We've got two great community trusts for both teams, actually, who are doing great work. My son goes to um, one of the community trusts on Sunday morning for classes. And that's kind of open to all access, you know, and they do some brilliant work with some, in some of the most deprived areas in the city. Um, But the. You know, when I was at school, I was never a great footballer, but there was I, pl- I played alongside some young guys who were fantastic footballers, and uh, you know, and frankly, they would have to put up with uh, listening to me, at, you know, whether in class, kind of droning on about stuff. But I would go and watch them play football, whether you know, playing in the Scottish Cup for the school and so on. Actually, sport levels a playing field, David. I think in education, uh, where and the, the people who do perhaps aren't the most academic can give expression in different ways to their talents and their abilities, and, um, and it's, it's a big with thing. Football, with that, uh,
0: and that that's a people's game, and so uh, right across yeah. Scotland, people can be successful or uh, you know realize their ambitions through football. Where, whereas other sports are, are tied into uh, a more elite or tied into private schooling. Um, so totally
1: football. agree with you. Yeah, football. and and it's also it's it's a community. It's it's still the community game, and you see the kind of reaction to the the European Super League issue and these kind of the, the big take takeover, the whole thing in recent weeks. But um, I mean, my dad played a big role in schools football in Dundee for forty years, um, and the the rare occasion he and I get to go out for a, for a pint these days, you know, that it'll be frequently there will be men now, you know men of a fair age come up to him and talk to him about the teams that he took and where they played. And these were some of the best days of these men's lives, playing with their friends, um, you know, being uh, getting the, the the adulation of that, but actually just playing it as part of their community. Some of them went on to senior football and others, but actually these are still the games that they, they, they treasure, you know. So actually kind of for respect, for self-respect, for self-esteem, um, but for um, part of being part of a community, um, yeah, football is um, is and I hope always will be a huge part of our uh, national education uh, and our and our, our, our national life.
0: Yeah, we should maybe have another uh, podcast and talk about football.
1: They, yeah, i would be glad for that.
0: What about uh, any other comments you'd wish to add? Uh, I've taken up your time, and we very much. Oh,
1: as I say, I appreciate it. I, I think that the... I, th- I think this next parliamentary term, as as I say, is going to be so focused on um, this issue of recovery. I hope focused on this issue of recovery. Maybe we'll be talking about a, a referendum as well. That's the choice I think that we have. The one thing I would flag, I think, David, is that I, I'm really concerned about that I'm hearing in recent days is um, and recent weeks. Something that we, we were talking about months ago now about this these exams that aren't exams, Kids who are um, going through assessments uh, having only learned partial parts of courses. Um, And my real big worry about that is that the SQA debacle last year, you had a kind of a mutant algorithm at the middle of it that you could turn off and say, you know, we can deal with this. This situation that's developing now, you have a thousand different practices in a thousand different schools, you know, about the way these things have been delivered in terms of assessment and actually unpicking the problem. I think is going to be a massive challenge when I'm afraid, I think come uh, the the late summer, we get the results of this. I think we're headed for another debacle um, and uh, it's going to be even more difficult to solve.
0: I just wonder though that uh, universities will be facing their own problems around uh, their approach to international students and and whether they will materialise in the numbers they have budgeted for and uh yeah. you know,
1: you know it's, it's a huge i mean we've obviously we've talked mostly about um schools you know um and uh the, the other side of that you know there's there's fe and there's he and um i, I absolutely agree with you that that the, that the business model that uh scottish universities have i work in a university um now and uh you know i, I look I, I would say on i would say on this that um I went to Glasgow University, it was mostly me and Glaswegians. I was the kind of foreigner from the the East Coast in the mix. It was a very kind of um, limited. There was the occasional person who came from further afield, and that was in the late 90s. When I taught at Glasgow University fifteen years later, um, I was teaching international politics, and we had people around that table who had grown up in kind of their parents, at least, had grown up in communist kind of Russia. You know, there was people who lived in uh, theocracies, people who came from the South Pacific Islands, an amazing mix of international students, and actually the education. I learned more speaking to these young people than, you know, than they would certainly have learned from me. But actually the experience for young Scots in that context was far richer in terms of those people coming into the room. But unfortunately, I think where we've ended up is that after 2007 in particular, the cost of paying for Scottish students have been you know, borne on the back of international recruitment. Which has led for more and more students, and essentially these people becoming kind of units of cost or you know a kind of revenue coming into universities, and the whole situation is now balanced on their backs. I mean, I do think it's an amazing thing that they're there, but the business model is really precarious. And an external shock like we've seen in terms of COVID is really questioning whether how sustainable that is now. It was already teetering before, and the proof will be, as I think you put it there, David, come September. How many of these students are going to come, are going to be able to come. Um, and, uh, and if they don't, we're going to be facing an incredible challenge as, uh, as a sector across Scotland. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really sincerely hope that things are better by then. But what's going on in India just this week would say to me actually that the kind of that international context of travel um, is going to be very, very challenging for the foreseeable future.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Michael. Thanks for your time.
1: A pleasure, David. A real pleasure. Um, yeah. And uh, thanks again to all, all the members for, for all the contribution they've made. And um, I hope they would consider um, giving their support to Labour next week.
0: Sure. Thank you.